the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a story of lies, deception, and almost ruin, yet God's grace prevailing nonetheless. Join us, Way of Grace, with Pastor Jessica Stand, right here in the book of Genesis, up next. It's called the restraining grace of God, and that's what we find in Genesis chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Welcome. This is Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. We're continuing our look at Genesis chapter 20 and God's restraining grace in spite of Abraham's sin and cover-up and Abimelech's selfish desires. Let's take a look at this story together, shall we, and see how Christ comes through strong and clear in the restraining grace of God. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 6 through 10. Between the day of Abraham and the days of the children of Israel will be something like 430 years, okay? 430 years. Where Abraham is now, Abraham is now claiming the land that God is going to give to him for Abraham to be a steward there. His people, his children, his sons, his daughters will live there after the land is built up. Over a 430-year period, the land is about to be built up. In other words, as time goes on, the land becomes more of a blessing. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? It's like buying property because you have a vision. You've got 20 acres you bought. In California, that's going to cost you almost, what, uh, $10 million, $20 million dollars. But if you have a vision that those 20 acres can put property and condos and all sorts of other things there to where it ends up being hundreds of millions of dollars, now you have a good return on your money. We call it the sole reap principle. Is that right? Well, that's what God is doing for Israel. He's establishing ownership of the land with Abraham and Sarah. Y'all got that? The owners of the land, the representative owners of the land are on the property. Now, I want y'all to understand the implications here, okay? Because they're certainly walking by faith. But they're blessed imminently because of what God had promised. I will bless you. I'll make you great. Your name will be famous. Your children will proliferate. They'll be known all over the world. Y'all got that, right? And so, therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God. This is God talking to Israel 400 years later in Moses. To walk in his ways and to fear him. Verse 7. We want to roll through chapter 8, verse 7. For the Lord your God brings you into what kind of land? Whoa. See it? Stay there now. Stay there. I want you to hold the tension with me for a moment. See, so what God calls good, we don't often call good. What God sees as good, we don't often see as good. We're going to have to take off our bifocals and put God's on so we can see what God sees. Because God sees something good in the land, doesn't he? He says, I'm bringing you to a good land notwithstanding the wickedness there. Here it is. A land of brooks of waters. 
of fountains, of depths that spring out of the valleys and hills. And sure enough, this is the case. Verse 8, watch it. A land of wheat and barley, vines and figs, pomegranates, a land of oil, olive oil and honey. Verse 9, watch this. A land wherein you shall eat bread without scarceness. You shall not lack anything. A land whose stones are iron, out of whose hills you may dig brass and ultimately gold and silver. Are they getting ready to enter into an inheritance or what? Verse 10, watch this. Verse 10, when you have eaten and are full, then you shall what? Bless the Lord your God. This is why I say all the time, count your blessings. Count your blessings now. Count your blessings now. Never get so common about what you eat every day as to not know that God gave it to you. God says, count your blessings. When you eat well, say, thank you, Lord. You gave me power to get this. You were good to me this day. You shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he hath given you. So he paints, God paints a picture of the blessing of that particular place. I'm going to leave that alone because I want to move on now to our fourth point. Going back to our Genesis 20 text. Remember, we're dealing with the seed or what I call embryonic prophecy, right? And it's having its fundamental origin in Abraham out of the decree that came from Noah concerning the cursing and the blessing of the land. Noah is the seed. He's the seed in the land. He will be the seed that will lead to the ultimate seed, right? I'm sorry, Abraham. Abraham to David to Jesus. Y'all got that? Abraham to David to Jesus. That's one line. That's the monarchial line. Abraham to Levi to Moses and Aaron, the priesthood. The priesthood would lead to the Melchizedekian priesthood. That's Christ. Y'all got that? So we've got the monarchy and we've got the priesthood. Both of them are operating in the land in the person of Abraham right now. Is that true? Now I want y'all to get this. Watch this. Is Abraham a king? Is Abraham a prophet? Is Abraham a priest? How come? Christ in him, the hope of glory. Y'all got that? I'm dealing with embryonic prophecy. I'm showing you how this works. God already knows that in Abraham is Jesus. And God's going to work what we call redemptive revelation in biblical theology by unpacking the history of the interaction with Abraham to show us Christ in these narratives. Is Christ the King of kings and Lord of lords? Is Christ the mediator between God and man? Is Christ the true prophet? Yes, he is. And Abraham's playing that role out. But now let's do a little work. I got a little time with you guys. Let's do a little work. Point number two, we call this the problem of what? The problem of sin, because we've come out of the prophecy of Noah. We've come out of the people of Shem. We've come out of the place of blessing. Now we're dealing with the problem of sin. Y'all cool with that? Some alliterations on the P's. Y'all got that? All right. So we're dealing with the prophecy, the people, the place. Now we're dealing with the problem of sin. Now, you and I have to admit that after a while, once you start walking with God, even though you prayed for God to take away your sin. Remember those days? <laughs> Anybody remember those days? Lord, why am I still thinking crazy? Why am I still talking crazy? Why do the impulses of the very thing that I hated for which you saved me still operate in my life? Why do I still have seasons of absolute insanity running through my members? See, y'all don't know. They, they talking to me like I'm crazy, but a few folk know what I'm talking about. Now watch this, and we're saved. I'm just as saved as I'm going to ever be saved. I, I'm just as saved. I love God. I love his word. 
I have great fellowship with God, great communion with God. God reveals his glory to me. God delivers me over and over and over again. That's what David said. Now I know that you favor me because you do not let my enemies have dominion over me. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. Anybody walking with me? I love this walk because Paul told me that I have two egos going on in my life. That's Romans 7. The eye that would do good and that the eye that would never do good. And they're always one. Is that right? The eye that would do good, that's called ego. That's our Greek term, ego. And the eye that always does evil. Two egos going on in your body. That's what we call the civil war. Anybody following me? Can I keep talking? Well, Abraham was just like you and me. So was Sarah. They had their struggles. I mean, you can imagine this brother coming from the north down to the south to the show enough hood. I mean, show enough hood. He rode down the street from Sodom and Gomorrah. He smacked up uh, in the midst of the Philistines. And the Philistines are a bunch of big people. Remember his son David? Go deal with him in a minute. I'm going to come back there because we're dealing with embryonic prophecy. I know where I'm going. Do y'all, y'all following me? So Abraham going to deal with the Philistines, but not now. They getting ready to make a treaty. Let me show you how sharp Abraham is. This is why I called him Bonnie and Clyde. I'm going to help you in a minute. God does work with gangsters. Paul was one. The problem of sin. When we look at the text, we discover that Abraham did have a root of presumptuous sin around a fear that the people that he was among were completely ungodly. They had no moral parameters, no ethical break. That was what, that was what Abraham thought. Now, he had every right to think it. Do you know why? Because when he came into the land initially back in chapter 12, verse 6, the Canaanites were already there. And they were already doing bad things. And then he went down to Egypt. And then he came back. And when he came back, remember, Lot was so allured by them that Lot took off. Because the way Lot looked at it, he saw it as the Garden of Eden. Remember that? And now Abraham in the 14th chapter had to get his posse together and go beat down a bunch of folks. This is what I mean by thug. Abraham was a thug. Beat down a bunch of folks. That's what he had to do. See, y'all ain't reading the narrative right. I love God because what God did was give Abraham a bunch of cattle, a bunch of resources, a bunch of servants. Abraham comes into Canaan conspicuously. What do you mean, pastor? This brother got an entourage of significant stature with soldiers and servants and money, and all kinds of oxen and sheep and cattle. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when you bring your posse into a territory like Abraham did, all the other kings are looking at you. Can I keep teaching? Now, they're going to leave you alone for a minute, but they're watching you. And for the 25 years that we are speaking of that has now transpired from Genesis 12 to Genesis 15, 25 years, Abraham has grown in Mamre, in Hebron. This brother got business going on. Now, now think with me on this level. Y'all ready? Think with me on this level. Your servants, as you are, are in a land of strangers. You can't isolate yourself from them people. Just like Abraham had to go, we go. 
Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. You got to live among people. You got to work with people. You got to mingle with people. You got to buy commerce. You got to buy goods. You have to buy material. You have to trade with people. Am I making some sense? They weren't isolated from the people like, like crazy, weak Christians like to do. Separate yourself. You got to dwell with them. In the world, not of the world. Isolated, not isolated. Plus, you got to love sinners. I love this. So Abraham's servants are out uh, on relief on the weekend. They get the weekend off. Except Saturday, they got to worship, right? But they get the weekend off. And, and so on the weekend, you know, these, these slaves, you know, they go to the club and to the park and, and they kicking it. And, and so some of the other foreigners say, who, who are you? And they say, we are, we, we Abbey's, we Abbey's servant. Abbey, who's Abbey? Abram. That's his name, Abram. In the Hebrew, your vowels are largely short, short vowels. So when we go Abraham, we're anglicizing it. You got it? Abram is the way it is in the Aramaic or the Hebrew. Abram. Y'all got that? Getting ready to teach you something. So they're Abi's boys. Who is Abi? Abi is Abraham. Who is Abraham? He's the fellow that God told to come down here in Canaan and take over everything. <laughs> Anybody with me? Now, you, you work for Abraham, and you know God is on Abraham's side. You living good, you doing well, you Abraham's boy. Abi's my master. Now, Abi is a contraction of the term Abraham, and Abraham is two words. Abba, which means father, right? And Aram, which is his great-grandfather, means exalted one. Aram is where Abraham came from. Abraham. Ab-Aram. Take the A off and it's Abraham. You guys got that? Abraham is the exalted father. Now think about this for a moment before I get on into my text. Here you are, you, 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 you come in with Abraham and you tell every, everybody that Abraham is the exalted father. Now you know that's going to tick off the rest of the kings. Not only is he the exalted father, that's, see this is like the godfather. Y'all got that? Abraham's a godfather. And God then sent him on, God then sent Abraham down here to take over everything. And the kings are watching. And the kings are realizing there's some merit to what this brother is talking about. Because the next time that Abraham showed up, after having established himself in Hebron, he took out some of the most formidable kings, wiped them out. We can still see the smoke. And what's more is God was with him in it. So now the fear of the kings, the fear of God is in the heart of the kings. Do y'all hear me? But Abraham has a challenge because Abraham is struggling with the fact that he's going to have to now negotiate with Egypt first, which I told you that was, that was um, what we call uh, embryonic prophecy because Israel's going to always be going back to Egypt. But now he's dealing with the Philistines, the other formidable folk. Because the king of Gerar is the king of the Philistines. So now Abraham has to go down there. And Abraham uses the same tactic in Gerar that he used in Egypt. Y'all ever thought that was curious? Did you ever think that was curious? So let's learn a couple of things. One is, when you have a besetting sin, you will continue practicing it until God cuts it off. That's a fundamental truth. That's just the way it is. Uh, And you're never going to overcome your sin in your own strength. It's just not going to happen. You, you may, you say, Lord, I ain't going to do it again. 
I ain't going to do it again. I ain't going to do it again. And you do it again. Right? Am I telling the truth? You just do it again. Right? You do it again. Right? The car, the car run right past you. You, you didn't mean to cuss because you're trying to stop cussing. <laughs> right? But it came out. Did it come out? That's that ugly ego. The one you don't like. Because you're saved. Right? Before you were saved, you were him. But now that you're saved, you don't like him. Lord, I don't like him. I swear I talk to God. God, you know what he's thinking. I'm not thinking that. That's my ego thinking like that. That's my carnal man. I don't like him, Lord. Get rid of him. Right? Because I want to walk in peace. I want to walk in joy. I want to walk in fullness. I do not like crossing the line, sinning against God. Neither my new man nor the Holy Ghost, which is with me. I hate when I'm sinning. But I got to depend on God to subdue my sin. And then when he doesn't, I have to ask God for humility to have to live with the weakness of my flesh. Knowing that God is working in me. I'm a whip. Work in progress. Y'all got that? That's how you deal with that. And God tells me to fall back on my integrity. And that is tell the truth. If any man say that he has no sin, he's a liar and the truth is not in him. Just tell him, Lord, you see this ugly, filthy heart. That's what David was able to say. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. And God forgave the iniquity of my sins and liberated me from the curse of my sin and covered me so I could keep it moving. Is that how God works? Is that how he works? Well, I'm just saying that because what we often do is we will project our fears on other people. So Abraham then already said, you know, I don't think these people have any notion of God in this land. And he made a deal with Sarah. This was back in chapter 12. Remember what he told Sarah? Now, Sarah, now when these fools see you, because, girl, you're hot. <laughs> you're spanking, girl, you're spanking. <laughs> I'm a blessed brother. But these fools going to kill me and take you. Is, is that what he said? They, they're going to kill me and take you. Now, if you love me, that's what he said. In the, in the English Bible, it's called, show me much kindness. But I mean, we can stretch that out. If you love me, I got a plan. Here's the plan. Now, you know, you my sister down the line a couple ways, uncle's child, right? You know that because God allowed that until we got the law in Leviticus, Leviticus 18 through 20. So we cut off um, incest. But for a season, it was acceptable. I, your, your wife is your relative. I know that sounds crazy. I remember years ago when I taught this at Grace, the spouse you with, that's your sister. The spouse you with, that's your sister. I'm going to show you the gospel here no more. I don't care how far down the line, somewhere down the line, y'all connect. Did y'all hear that? My sister, my spouse is the way the gospel lays it out. So we're hedging on a, a pivotal covenant principle here that Abraham knew. So he said, sis, now 
<laughs> That's what he, he says, sis. If, uh, if, uh, if they want you, knowing that you're my wife, they're just going to assassinate me. And when they assassinate me, they're going to take you and take all this we got. All this we got, Sarah. See all this? Because it was Sarah's right along with Abraham. Sarah was living large. Remember, she's a queen. If he's a king, she's a queen. This sister got money. She got servants. She's got land. She's got property. Are y'all hearing me? She is no small figure. She's a princess in the word of God. She is at the top of the line. And when she rubs her hands and hear her brother <laughs> give the plan, she says, yeah, it would be tough to lose all this for you. It would be, be tough to lose all this for you. Just stay with me for a minute. Just, just stay with me for a minute. I know this is tough, but it's going to land on the gospel here in the morning. I know it's tough, but the only reason it's tough is because you're still not persuaded that you're a sinner. That's the reason it's tough. Because you're better than Sarah and you're better than Abraham. That's why what I'm saying is tough. Because you still got a bunch of self-righteousness in you. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, you would. But I'm going to show you something. Can I show you something? I'm going to show you that there's an aspect of what Abraham is doing that comes directly from the will of God. See, remember I told you you can't think horizontally. You got to think vertical. It's going to be tough, but you're going, you might see it. <clears throat> now, the, what we have is the problem of sin, and sin is always the inability for us to see the whole picture. And it shuts us up to choices that are limited, that we have to execute with our own reasoning. You have that going on in your life every day. Every day you make choices that are rooted in two things and sometimes simultaneously. Are you ready? Every day you make choices that are rooted in your sinful nature because of your weakness, because of your ignorance, because of your propensities, because of your bents. But it also may very well be mixed with faith. Now, anybody operating out of faith and sin at the same time? Yeah, you are. Don't ever lie and say you don't. Every act of faith on your part has a sin element underneath. Because we never, ever do anything perfectly. So let's give Abraham and Sarah a little break. Mostly Abraham. But Sarah got her issues. Because she took up with the plan the first time, Genesis 12. And she looked up, showing up. You know what the text said? Pharaoh's men saw her and said, man, do you see that sister? And Pharaoh inquired, who is she? Well, they say she's the sister of Abraham. And the next thing you know, he took her. Just like Abraham said. Just like he said. But quite naturally, he going to take her because she's Abraham's sister. Right? And so, if you look at that narrative carefully in chapter 12, something strange occurs. Pharaoh negotiates with Abraham and gives Abraham a bunch of money, a bunch of cattle, a bunch of goods. Abraham comes out wealthier than when he went in because Pharaoh took Sarah. Now, Sarah is in Pharaoh's house getting manicures, and pedicures and all of the best of everything 
because she's at the top of the food line. She's sitting up there saying, hmm, Lord, what are you up to? Because she's walking by faith too. This is integrity meeting integrity. That'll conclude our time today here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan, the Ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. We thank you for spending time with us. Trust that as you do walk through God's Word with us, you're growing in grace, growing in your relationship with Christ and your love and adoration to Him. As we conclude our time together today, we would like to remind you that if today's broadcast was an impact to you, maybe it really blessed you, or maybe you've got a question or two that to listen to this program again would help out. Well, we have CDs available when you call or write to us, or if you wish, simply stop by our website and download the audio file from the website. Our web address is grace-bible.com. Rather simple. Again, grace-bible.com. Or contact us by phone at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, the address is 22768 Main Street. And that's here in Hayward. The zip code is 94541. Again, that's 22768. Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541 is the zip code. We ask for $5 per CD, or again, as mentioned, simply stop by our website and you can listen to the message in its entirety or download the MP3 version, grace-bible.com. One final note, we're inviting you to join us for worship. Sunday services are at 11 a.m. with Sunday school at 10 a.m. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study at 8 p.m. We'd love for you to stop by and join us for worship, especially if you're not involved in a fellowship at this time. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We have folks from all kinds of churches all over the Bay Area joining us at 8 p.m. It's a marvelous time of studying God's Word together as a company of believers. Again. For directions, simply go to grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.